I want to thank our sponsor, Planet Ford. Planet Ford has always been a proud supporter of law enforcement in the community, providing customer service and fleet management, sales and service. If you're looking for that personal quality service, contact Planet Ford in spring or online at planetford.com. You're listening to Crime Scene Today, where subject matter experts discuss current and future issues facing law enforcement, forensics, and crime scene investigations from law enforcement. I'm your host, Dan Zintek. Joining me today is Constable Ryan Gable and Chief Deputy Jim Sumner from the Montgomery County Constable's Office, Precinct 3, located in Texas. Thank you for coming in, Constable. Good morning. morning. So I brought you in to talk about many topics, but uh, one that certainly comes up is a very common uh, question that I know we receive on a regular basis. You know, constables have a long history uh, from England and it's still a very common term for police in Canada. However, in the U.S., it's not as common. And on a regular basis, I know that you're asked what a constable is, or more importantly, what's the difference between a constable uh, and the sheriff? So good question, and it's a question that uh, does come up often when I go out and talk to our community. And the, the main difference uh, was originally back in history when we started was that the uh, Texas constable and the Texas sheriff were both put in place by the Texas Constitution. And back in the Texas Constitution around 1876, the Texas uh, constable and sheriff being put in place and elected to four-year terms. And as a result of that, the constable was put in place uh, to handle a precinct within a county and handle court process and warrants and uh, things of that nature as a sheriff was put in place originally to handle a jail facility for an unincorporated area of a county. As time has gone by, um, there's been one amendment to the Texas Constitution regarding our uh, term limits, and that designates the Texas Constable for a four-year term limit. And depending upon where you're at in the state of Texas uh, gives the opportunity for each of those departments to do different functions in in law enforcement. Due to the Texas sheriff uh, originally handling the statutory function of a jail facility within their county, they've grown into countywide law enforcement agencies as well as the constable, depending upon population, has grown into a full-service law enforcement organization dependent upon the population of the specific county the constables and sheriff's departments are in. Um, now, as far as y'all patrol the same area, obviously it's, you know, like in, in our county here in Montgomery County, we have five different precincts, and those are divided up by population also as far as the five elected constables that have those precincts. And then you have the sheriff that, of course, is over uh, or patrols the rest or all of the county, including all of those precincts. So y'all are patrolling the same area but obviously have the same authority uh, as far as patrol functions that we think of an officer, uh, making arrests, responding to calls, investigating crimes, all those things. So there's, there's really no different from designation as to what the peace officers are in the state of Texas. Um, the constable's office and the sheriff's office, they, they share the same um, responsibilities as peace officers designated by statute. It, Depending upon the population, like I mentioned before, and the types of growths to those offices is incumbent on the community's needs and what we're able to do in a law enforcement function. And so you mentioned 
the counties in the state. Um, uh, here in Texas, we have 254 counties, so you've got 254 sheriff departments. Within those precincts, you roughly have somewhere around the number of 740 different um, constables in the state that are elected to each of their precincts. And when you are around a populated county, Harris County, Montgomery County, Tarrant County, things, uh, counties of that size, the sheriff departments are much larger, the constable offices are much larger, and we do handle some of the same responsibilities at, back to giving our community a law enforcement organization that they deserve, whether it be us as a constable or, or the sheriff's department based on you know, the population and, and what comes along with that growth. You know, and you, you mentioned a couple of different counties there, Harris County, Montgomery County, and there's a, a big difference. I know that uh, when I've traveled around the state in teaching and teaching and I explain the constable's role in the constable's department in Montgomery County uh, or in Harris County, and I explain that we have uh, detectives and investigation division and patrol and canines and all these different divisions, uh, many other parts of Texas are surprised to hear this because uh, they're some that are just the constable uh, serving some civil process all the way up to uh, 600 man departments such as in Harris County. So there's a, a big difference uh, of what a constable office is even across the state of Texas. And I think one thing and one of the topics I really want to talk about today was uh, one thing that's really made a difference in Harris County and, and brought to Montgomery County when you were elected here is Harris County many years ago started what we know as a contract program, which inevitably to a point uh, is a competition uh, of providing a better service because at that point they can choose. They can have a contract with uh, the Sheriff's Department or they can have a contract with the Constable's Department. And at that point, uh, as with any customer, they sort of evaluate uh, which uh, department they may want to go with. Now, um, this started many years ago, and I know, uh, Chief, uh, on the conversation in the car coming down, you had mentioned that your dad is one of the uh, first contract officers in Harris County, and that was back in 1970. Yeah, early 1970. So th this has gone on for a while, even though uh, in our area it, it doesn't go back that far, but you know, it certainly goes back a long way in Harris County. And so talking about that, so explain what the contract program is or the benefit, I guess, uh, of having a contract program. So the contract program is definitely a benefit to our, our counties um, in the state. And uh, thankfully that uh, Commissioner's Court has opted to allow the contract programs to exist. And like you mentioned, the Sheriff's Office and Constable Offices both um, participate in certain contract programs. And that's that's basically to offer law enforcement services to a specific area that through uh, MUD districts or homeowners associations, they have the ability to fund outside um, the regular county tax dollar that pays for law enforcement around the county or state. This is uh, specific entities that have the extra money and can fund extra law enforcement and some of the um, advantages of that are specific to community-based policing. So as you're contracted with a specific entity, here in Montgomery County, you have 100% contracts, which means the uh, personnel that uh, the entity pays for, 
most commonly mud districts, utility districts, things like that, that, that have the, um, I guess, money to pay for those services greater than a business or even our homeowners associations that originally started the contract program they don't have the funding as a taxing entity like our mud districts do. So, so those are the entities, school districts that we contract with as well. Not us specifically in Precinct 3, but um, agencies across the state, just different entities that are contracted with. And it, again, here in Montgomery County, it's 100% contract. So if it's a particular mud district that contracts with one or one or two or more um, peace officers, those specific deputies are assigned to the area 100% of their time. The costs associated with that are paid 100% by the contracting entity. So your vehicles, your salaries, your benefits, everything that comes along to paying for a police officers paid for those contracting entities. Uh, a benefit directly related to the contracting entity, but not only them, a benefit related to the area or jurisdiction we serve because these contracting deputies go to and from the office. They run the major thoroughfares. So they not only are a benefit to the entity, but the county as well for keeping their community safe. You know, one of the parts of this, you know, to describe it, I guess, a little bit better is that your, your county tax dollars, they pay for a certain amount of officers you know, that, that uh, we receive during budget and, and try to meet the needs. And, and I have yet to ever meet a department or even a, a county uh, or city that says we have enough. We need no more officers, right? We, we're fully staffed and fully covered. Uh, it's always, uh, I won't say the weak spot, but it is. It's where we're lacking the most, where we need uh, officers on the street and detectives and support staff to meet the needs of growing communities and, and certain crimes that are advancing due to technology and those type of things. If we relied only on what tax dollars gave us, then obviously we're, we're limited. There's a certain amount of officers on the street that are having to respond across the county, across a precinct or whatever, which usually results in uh, calls holding, uh, usually a delayed response time. So uh, sort of a summary of what the contract policing is that a community, whether it's by mud or a homeowners or, or whatever the entity is that would like extra service, is they're saying, look, we would like officers in our area and we're willing to pay 100% of their salary, their car, everything, so that we can have that service here. We know that our normal tax base is not going to provide someone to just patrol our area. They have to provide for the whole county. So this... Um, takes care of uh, increased service. And I think it's, you know, the uh, the perfect analogy of community policing because you now have officers that that's their assignment, that's their community. They're directly involved in that neighborhood, knowing that. I mean, it goes back to uh, what everyone's talked about is that relationship with people in the neighborhood, knowing who's supposed to be at the house, who's in the neighborhood, those type of things, right? Um, now, you spoke about in Montgomery County that's 100%, right? But there is some massive growth that happened in Harris County uh, with those contracts being a 70-30. And so I know, uh, you know, uh, Chief, you talked to the numbers before as far as how many officers in Harris County and 
I know that you currently are at Montgomery County, but you had worked at Harris County for, for many years. Uh, everybody at this table has, you know, 25 plus years experience. And I know that you dealt with contract programs uh, extensively in Harris County. Um, do you know as far as how many officers are contract based versus what's on the street? Well, it's been gone for about three years now, but in Harris County, in the unincorporated area of the county, that both the constables and the sheriffs uh, patrol about half. So nearly 50% of the or, nearly 50%, approximately 50% of the patrol officers in those areas are actually contracts. And this started, like you said earlier, way back in the early 70s. You know, Harris County was booming. Uh, the commissioner court and the county judge are, are great stewards of the county's money that they receive from taxpayers and taxable entities and such. But that money only went so far. Right. And so there were a lot of the communities that were growing and that the, the law enforcement patrol was weak at best that wanted that extra protection. And so Harris County allowed them to enter into contracts with, with the county. And uh, I don't know, maybe originally it was 100%, but now they've really volumed out with the 70-30% contract which is based on the mid-range deputy, the cost of the vehicle, the fuel, everything that goes along with that, and that uh, on the 70%, the contract itself pays 70%. The county covers the other 30%, but that gave the county and the other citizens of the area the ability to use officers where they were weak to patrol to certain areas, but yet that specific subdivision had extra patrol, as you stated earlier, that gave them the coverage that they really wanted. So basically, if you were a 70-30, you would still be patrolling whatever your assignment was, whatever your subdivision is. But then if something dropped nearby, an accident, a burglary, or whatever. Right. Life-threatening situations, uh, in-progress calls that were within the geographical area of what that contract was, the officer would be allowed to respond to that whereas, uh, and get there quickly, whereas a regular district patrol unit may be further away and have a longer response time. And obviously, by having a 7030, it, it allows more deputies to be added. I mean, we're, we're talking about for every uh, three deputies that are put on the street by a contract in a 7030, uh, Commissioner's Court's only paying 90% of those three deputies, right? So they haven't even reached the full pay of one, and they're putting three out there to benefit their area. Sure, yes, but again, when they, um, in Harris County's wisdom way back when they started that, they actually put funding aside to allow for contract deputies to exist and for allowed for that 70-30 coverage. So it's it's something that any county that does that has to take into account for how many they foresee and how many they're able to plan for for any given calendar year or uh, fiscal year so that they can get that out there. So they have a line item that was set aside. So if a contract came up and said, hey, we'd like to add five deputies, was there something that the court had already set in budget to handle those type of things? Right. It's in later years in Harris County, they would put so much money aside for existing 70-30% contracts and projected growth of 70-30% contracts. So before the county would actually enter into that contract, they would make sure that that money was available to fund the 30% of that officer and all the expenses thereof. Now, I know we talked in the past as far as the cars. Originally, uh, when uh, a contract enters into it, they buy the car, they buy the equipment, radio, and all that other stuff. Now, uh, Chief, you had talked about uh, Harris County having some type of, uh, I guess, rolling plan for cars being replaced instead of you having to go back uh, to a contract every every five years and go, hey, we need you to cut a you know, $40,000, $50,000 check. You had uh, something else that was happening in Harris County. Well, in Harris County, the county itself would purchase all the equipment, purchase all the vehicles and all the emergency equipment that goes thereby, and it would be amortized over a period of years. 
for the agencies to pay back the county for those, that, those pieces of equipment. The contract uh, for the entity that contracted with Harris County would all be the same. It, it didn't matter if you had one deputy or you were another contract with five deputies. If it was a 70, 30% contract, that contract cost was the same for every individual, irregardless of you had a two-year deputy or a 16-year deputy. And that would never go up or down except every fiscal year, of course, there, there might be an increase due to increase in cost. But other than that, the contracts were all the same. And then the contracts for 100% were established in that same way, except you're paying 100% cost. Uh, a little bit slightly different than Montgomery County is that uh, their actual cost. If your deputy's a, a two-year deputy, then you're paying for a two-year deputy. If he, if he gets moved out or she, he or she gets moved out, and you go to a deputy that's been there 16 years, well, then your contract went up a little bit because of that. And that was um, just an understanding entering the contract, that they knew that going in. That yes, they, sir. That it may fluctuate or whatever. Yes, they did. So now, uh, Constable, if you can talk about, we talked about community place and the relationship with these contracts that, you know, in, you know, in Harris County we call them a, a security coordinator or whatever. So if you can speak about that relationship. And I'd like to just go back and touch on a couple things um, yeah. that the chief was saying specific to contracts. Uh, we've talked a lot about Harris County, and Harris County is a good model to take after because of their population and size, but uh, their budget as well. Um, so a lot of law enforcement, a lot of law uh, contracts down there, but um, there is still that um, lack of law enforcement versus population size. So here in Montgomery County, <clears throat> excuse me, in Montgomery County, um, roughly seven years ago, when I took office, we had the ability to come in and, and ultimately spending 20 years in Harris County and, and being new to Montgomery County, seeing the landscape of Montgomery County and living here my entire life, uh, watching the population growth, especially in the last seven years of being in office has really demonstrated the need for law enforcement on the streets because of how, how quick the population's growing. So being able to come in and have Commissioner's Court on board with us, which Commissioner's Court over the last seven years, and, and I'm sure before that, but specifically this last seven years has been very dedicated to watching and participating in the growth of law enforcement. Right. And, know ultimately how important that is to us and, and our county here in Montgomery County. So I'd like to give them thanks. Um, just showing that as a specific need, it's, I mean, it's probably their top concern next to uh, transportation here in Montgomery County. So back to your question on what it does with the relationships of a contract to their community that they're contracted with, it gives the opportunity and, and to kind of back up just a little bit further and share that these contracts with the law enforcement agencies and with us specifically are a couple different um, functions that we offer through the contract program. and. So we're contracted with entities within our precinct that offer detective services to investigate child crimes. And we're also um, contracted with entities for patrol services within the precinct, specifically mud districts and utility districts in the precinct. And what's that do for the community is what you asked and uh, that the contract serves. And 
so if there's a, a strip center within the contract, our deputies are, are out in the strip center. They're walking, they're meeting, uh, they're, they're building relationships with store owners, store managers. Um, they're exchanging phone numbers, things of that nature, so that if something is suspicious or out of place, they're confident or comfortable in calling their contract deputy and reporting that information, it's a, it's a personal level that happens instead of a professional level. And that's uh, very important to us being in the neighborhoods because we build that community relationship and, and our residents of the neighborhoods know their deputies very well. And as all three of us at this table who have been in the contract deputy program before on patrol, you realize how important it is and how these our residents really have that relationship with us personally. So we know what's out of place at their house because we've been out there and we know who comes and goes from their homes, their businesses, things like that. So we're able to check in. We know them by, by name and sight. And uh, we just have that relationship watching their children grow in the communities. Um, and well, it certainly leads to a, a decrease in crime too because it's something that uh, an average patrol can't do. I mean, you don't know what's out of place. There's also uh, just the idea that people that have a relationship with you are going to feel more comfortable talking to you, right? I mean, if they see something going on, uh, they're willing to talk to someone who they trust uh, versus an unknown officer in the area that they haven't built that relationship with. So besides knowing what's out of place, what's not normal, uh, you also get to know who the bad people in the neighborhood are, right? I mean, you know who's actually committing the crimes, and when someone went to jail and you know the date they got out and when crime started again, Right, and, and I think that that's certainly displays a couple different prong function of the, the contract or community-based policing is not only do you have those relationships, but it, it is a decrease in crime. Um, number one, you're, you're visible in the specific area all the time. You're, you're contracted 100% there. And it just gives the opportunity for a larger presence, a quicker response to calls, um, so that you, you're you not waiting on somebody to come across a precinct to, to handle a call. And it, it's just, it's important to us as leader of law enforcement agencies to offer services in that manner, because not only in today's times is it difficult to be a law enforcement officer out there, a man or woman, um, it this gives that ability for us to know our population, our residents, and them to know that we're actually human beings as well as as friends and mothers and fathers and, and things of that nature. And what I think is uh, very important to me as well is that it gives an opportunity for our children to get to know us as well so that we build relationships directly with people in our community and their children. Well, and as you said, it, it's not just about, um, you know, the crime that's there, it's those relationships. And so when I know being a part of contract policing and, and our deputies that are out there doing contract policing that when they have events in the neighborhood, they're at those events. When they, we've had deputies that when they're driving by and they see some kid that has a birthday party, they're stopping by to say happy birthday, say hello. So uh, it's, it's truly uh, being involved with that community, being a part of that community that I think really makes a difference with that. You know, we talked about the 70-30 and I'll get y'all's opinion on this. I don't, uh, I know that there's sometimes debate over 100% versus 70-30. Now, I know 
our rules, and I guess that's really from the leadership on what it becomes, but I know under leadership that we were all under at one point was even if you were a 70-30, you stayed in your contract. You were in there. The 30% was actually to take care of right around there, which still affected the community you were in. Uh, I never really saw a uh, deficit or, or a negative to having a 70-30 uh, patrolling a neighborhood versus 100%. I can't say that I have either. Uh, I know that they're both great contracts, and I agree with the constable. You have to applaud Montgomery County Commissioner's Court for their leadership and forethought to allow the, both the sheriff and the constables to enter in contracts in, the, in Montgomery County because they saw the need for it as well and the relationships that can be built. And uh, you're absolutely correct. Uh, on the 7030 contract, the individual officer would always be in that subdivision and would respond to maybe a mile, two mile radius around the subdivision or mud or whatever to emergency calls. But other than that, unless they were dispatched outside that, they would be maintaining their patrol functions within that subdivision. And again, it's, it's like the constable, no two contracts are exactly the same. The heartbeats are a little bit different. Uh, so it allows those officers to find out what's going on within that subdivision, what's, what's important to the citizens of that community what are their thoughts, what are, what are, where are their expectations to be, and it allows them to absorb that and patrol in those fashions and, and build such a great relationship with the department, with the individual, and with the community that we all benefit by it. And it, it gives really a, an improvement in the quality of life for the individuals that live within these subdivisions. Yeah, and I don't want to take away, as, as y'all said, I mean, our commissioner's court, I know uh, it's always a top priority as far as law enforcement, I think it is, and just about every community is security of your citizens and them feeling safe in the community is a number one priority uh, of pretty much all elected officials to take care of our community. And I know that that's a very top priority when they're managing the budget. So not to take away that uh, we don't have coverage. We certainly have coverage out there. We are providing a great service to the community. Uh, this is more focused on a particular entity that maybe uh, wants something extra that uh, wants to have a more stronger relationship, uh, faster response times to have that dedicated service. Uh, now, we talked about the difference between constable's department between East Texas, West Texas, and having one constable versus a 600-man agency. And I think that besides the contract policing, I mean, the difference uh, in the size and stuff uh, also has to deal with the success uh, of the constable that's elected in that department and uh, the leadership that they bring uh, as to what that department becomes. And I think that uh, you're a perfect example of that and the fact of you coming here seven years ago and the constable office that you took over um, was around a 20-man department that primarily focused on civil process. Now, really, uh, growing up in Montgomery County, I witnessed the same thing, that the constable agencies, uh, that's what they did. It was, it was civil process. That's, uh, many of them uh, were 8 to 5, Monday through Friday, uh, and they did not respond to calls. Or if they did, it was to back up another officer. And, and I think that uh, you really changed... Um, sort of the, the game there when you came in and growing your department as you did. And I know you brought many things uh, from Harris County here. Uh, so if you talk about some of the things that you brought, different things you've done at your department. So coming in and uh, working for a large law enforcement agency, uh, I had expectations of law enforcement and being able to come into the precinct and realizing uh, the number of people we had 
And the coverages that I wanted to provide was, it was gonna be tough. And looking at the landscape, we as constable agencies in Montgomery County, just like you said, we're more of a Monday through Friday office, um, eight to five. And Precinct 3 particularly um, had a contract. And so they offered a patrol function with the Rayford Road um, Mud District and Mud 94, which was the spring trails, kind of Rayford Road 99 area was coming online. And so ultimately, Precinct 3 at the time was growing. However, when we took office, we were roughly 24 people. Today, we're, we're up to 74 commissioned, I believe, um, somewhere right around there. And so the growth has been exponential due to some of the, the programs we put in place. And some of those programs are specific to DWI task force. Uh, the contract uh, patrol um, function, uh, child crimes, the need for, you know, protecting our children against the violence, um, internet crimes against children, so ICAC. So these are some of the things that uh, was a, a direct need within Precinct 3 in Southern Montgomery County that we dove right in and focused on. And one of the, the things about those particular needs is they create statistics. So when you focus on those particular crimes and the need is there and the statistics continue to stack up, at that time you can present those statistics and, and just display how critical of a need those specific crimes are. So Commissioner's Court, you, we go there yearly and we produce our justification to grow in certain areas of an agency. And those were some of the functions that we thought were much needed in Southern Montgomery County and, and through the court and through the contract programs have been very successful in growing the department. Um, more particularly, some of the expertise that our office has is investigating um, child crimes and technology crimes. Well, and that was a cornerstone that you brought, um, you know, something that uh, I don't want to say it was not happening. Obviously, they were investigating, you know, child crimes and computer crimes prior to you getting here. But uh, once you were elected, the one thing that had not been established was uh, ICAC, Internet Crimes Against Children, in a relationship with the Houston Metro ICAC Division. And uh, for those that are unaware, uh, Internet Crimes Against Children, ICAC, is actually a national uh, task, force. Uh, task force that uh, is regulated. Uh, and you have different divisions, different separate areas. And so um, your department is part of the Houston Metro uh, Task Force. And so you sort of brought that on. And again, uh, certainly a passion of yours and, and a cornerstone of your department is uh, protecting children and crimes against children. So um, you have officers directly related to uh, internet crimes and advances technology uh, with that. Uh, and you have some officers directly uh, involved, but that grew. I mean, you started that, but that's grown uh, countywide. And so um, you talk about some of your crimes against children and different things that y'all are doing with that. So seven years ago, it, it, was, it was and still is today a passion to protect our children. 
Um, and many years ago in Harris County, we we were one of the leaders in cyber crimes, and, and that gave an experience and an opportunity for coming into Montgomery County and having a seat at the table with the Internet Crimes Against Children's Task Force. And as you mentioned, it's a, it's a nationwide task force. I believe it's uh, up to about 67 different task forces throughout the nation. But uh, that gave us an opportunity to participate in the task force here in Montgomery County, which had not been done before. That offers uh, so many uh, benefits to us as local law enforcement here. It provides resources, federal resources, and things that we normally wouldn't be able to have in, in these types of technology crimes or predator crimes that we, we wouldn't if we weren't part of the task force. So coming into Montgomery County and, and having the experience to dive right in and, and investigate people looking to do harm to our children on the internet or their social applications or um, through <clears throat> different means of communicating through cell phones, smartphones, things like that, the software that goes along with watching uh, predators share and, and download child pornography is something that we were able to start off right away. And it was something that I was able to bring to Montgomery County that you mentioned hadn't been done before. And so as doing that, we were able to teach other law enforcement agencies how to investigate these types of crimes. We were able to work with the district attorney's office directly to um, all of us learn together on building search warrants to directly go out and uh, run evidentiary search warrants on technology and keep our children safe. And, and you've done all that. I know now the, the current ICAC uh, unit is comprised of the DA's office, Conroe, all the constable's office. Matter of fact, I know for a fact they were they're running a search warrant this morning. And, you know, uh, one of the things that uh, I know you've done is kept up with the technology. You talked about bringing technology, but uh, there's also the fact that technology changes all the time, and that sort of goes without saying. And due to technology changing all the time, predators change technology all the time. And it's become an expensive part of your budget to keep up with that technology. You have to change software. You have to... Uh, buy new equipment that is able to do that. As uh, phones have advanced and password protected, you have to find things that bypass that. You know, these are, I won't say more advanced criminals, but they have technology at their disposable at their disposal that uh, helps them in being caught. And so we have to always have technology to try to, to assist with that. Uh, I know that uh, besides the internet crimes, uh, we also have uh, detectives that uh, are dealing directly with uh, crimes committed uh, by predators uh, over at our connection with Safe Harbor and uh, what they do over there. And that's another uh, uh, cornerstone of yours in protecting our children. Um, so uh, you have a relationship with uh, the Children's Safe Harbor and what they do. Uh, we have uh, two over there that accomplish that goal. Um, and then you spoke about uh, the DWI. Uh, and so that came about a few years ago related to fatalities, correct? Correct. So we had the highest fatality rate uh, per capita in the state in this county. And there was not a DWI task force, and that's something that you saw a need for. 
and uh, has since created, and now you still have that in place along with the, uh, the children programs. Um, so what successes have you seen out of these programs? So great success in, in obviously taking care of the safety of our children. Um, we, we have through the startup of, of being able to investigate those types of technology crimes here in, in Precinct 3 in Montgomery County, we had a resident of Precinct 3 donate the funding originally. You mentioned everything being very expensive, and so the technology is extremely expensive, but to catch the predators and the people that are using technology, obviously uh, that technology is very expensive. Right. And, and you mentioned the, the predators themselves. Um, they are all walks alive. So a couple different types of proactive investigations that we pinpoint when we're going after um, technology predators are you have people that can afford technology. So we see in people that are sharing or trafficking child pornography or, or doing that type of stuff through the internet and across the world that these folks, these predators have an ability to afford that technology. Other predators are trying to meet our children online and come out to us um, to meet us if, if we're lucky enough or that they're talking to the predators or are talking to us or law enforcement, that they're meeting law enforcement and not our children. And, and those are all walks of life, but usually um, more of a blue collar type um, person, things like that, uh, less specific to owning technology to create child pornography, share child pornography, or distribute. Um, quite a bit, a big difference there. And, and I think the success in what we've been able to do has been great at keeping our children safe. The programs that we've put in place to proactively go after the predators for online solicitation. So we put fake personas online to lure in predators. And every time we put a hook in the water, we have a fish on the hook, so to speak. So it, it's common for us to make arrests of predators coming out to do our children harm, and usually that's in a sexual nature. Also, some of the success that uh, we've gained through those types of programs is we have one of the only dogs in uh, canines in the U.S. that's capable of smelling technology, and the benefit of that to law enforcement in Montgomery County, but not only that, we've lent our canine out to federal agencies, other local agencies, and, and it's specific to smelling technology for evidentiary search warrants and, and building evidence against these predators. And as you know, Brody has is, is just always been just about 100% successful in, in the searches that Brody participates in. And to clarify what we're talking about is, I mean, the officers will still go in, they'll search for large things, computers, things that are very obvious, but obviously in in this world of technology, things have gotten so small, a micro SD card or anything that can hold so much information, and they can hide that, you know, in things, in the mattress, in the pillows, in the attic, and, and these things that a person would not be able to see. But uh, Brody comes in after uh, they have looked around to find the smallest of details and is very successful in doing so. Correct. And 
So we're blessed here in, in Montgomery County to have a tool of that magnitude. Um, but not only that, we have the technology that's capable of handling the forensic aspect of searching a computer, a smartphone, unlocking, um, bypassing security features, things like that, that uh, we're able to utilize here. Also, um, the benefit of this type of work in Montgomery County has has given the, the people here an idea of this is a continual problem so that we need to be vigilant with not only our family members but our kids. And because of that, we've seen just a, a huge um, request for speakers. So not only are our technology, our cybercrimes detectives, but me personally, um, we're going out and we're talking to our churches, we're talking to our schools, parents, um, small groups, women's organizations, um, all different types of organizations regarding keeping your child safe with technology or yourself safe using technology. I know you talked about your forensic examination. I know that uh, uh, you're uh, the only constable's office in Montgomery County uh, that has a forensic examiner that are examining your own uh, computers and stuff, and, and not limited to y'all. That's offered to all the ICAC division, so when they all run a search warrant, whatever constable and Conroe and DA runs on this, they have that opportunity, and that's a, a big advantage because uh, to send... Uh, stuff off to the feds or send things off to what we call RCFL, which is, you know, your, your regional lab to, to do the computer examinations. Sometimes those returns take six months, take a year, and if what you need is on that device before you're able to press charges against this person, do you really want to tell the parent, you have to wait six months till we can get this back before we proceed with your case? Uh, now you have the ability by having this in-house to uh, be taking care of that within that day, within that week, within, obviously, as devices are larger, sometimes it takes them a longer time. That's just the nature of the device. But now uh, you've taken that time from six months to a year and knocked it down. Within the month, we're taking that person off the street. So that, that absolutely a great point. And um, it, it has offered through the expertise of our detectives, their training, their their experience in investigating these types of crimes over the several years now, our, our crime analyst, the, the capabilities that we have to pull this information and do it quickly and, and get it back to the owner of their cell phone or computer, things like that, and, and make good arrests in a reasonable amount of time. So that that's important. Um, you also mentioned it being available to the county. It, it, we we want to lend our services to all the law enforcement agencies in, in Montgomery County. And, and not only do we want to tell them that, but we do that. And we also lend specific tools to, like I mentioned, the federal aspect of law enforcement, the surrounding counties, um, and uh, switching gears from technology crimes to our DWI task force. The need for that was was observed. We were given resources. Uh, we dedicated resources, and not only are those resources dedicated to Precinct Three, but we want to make sure that our our law enforcement partners know that 
they're here to be lend out, lend them out as well to help in other areas of the county that may be hot spots. Maybe it's Fourth of July on on Lake Conroe, things like that, uh, or just different areas where the nightlife has become populated and, and they're seeing these types of crashes, of fatalities, where we can assist with them. We'd love the opportunity to be out and doing that, and, and that's been successful as well. Yeah, I know that uh, you received great recognition for uh, your work in the DWI uh, program. I know that uh, officers in your program have been recognized as some of the uh, highest arrest or taking people off the street. Your department's been recognized by MAD, by the DA's office, uh, doing an excellent job. I know that uh, uh, one particular uh, deputy just last year, uh, between him and a, a Houston police officer, had removed the most DWI drivers off the street last year, uh, which, you know, we think about as far as an arrest and, and someone having a few and heading home, but uh, when you think about that they were removed and someone didn't die, whether it was them or someone that they uh, would have killed on their way home, and when you're talking about numbers of 200 arrests, 300 arrests, 400 arrests, I mean, how many lives that your department saved by putting that program together, so that's very impactful to your community and keeping it safe and, and feeling secure. Uh, I know that you've put out great messages for uh, people finding a driver and using Uber and all those things. I mean. The goal of the department is not to make arrest. It's to keep the community safe. And obviously, if someone's out there not keeping the community safe, then you have to do what you do to keep it safe. So I like what you said there. And, and the goal of our department, and it's something that, that we talk about as a staff to our, our people consistently, is that um, we're in the service industry, not the arrest in, industry is, is how I feel. So we're, we're going to want to help people versus hurt people. And, and at the end of the day, when you have people out there and where we're making two, 300, 400 arrests a year just for DWI offenses, um, we, we look at these types of offenses and arrests and, and are they good arrests? And yes, at the end of the day, these are people that need to be arrested. They're, they're carrying kids with them. They're, they're two-time, three-time offenders in, in this type of offense. And so I think that's important. And, and we do have the experts doing this. It, to be able to lead a department like this, I think I have some of the best in the business. It, it, uh, I always tell people it's not me. It's the people that work for me. So just very proud of of the department and I just get to hang out with them. Well, and I know you have some great people uh, that are out there on the streets that are uh, making you look good. Uh, your DWI unit, your crimes against children, just your patrol officers on a regular basis that do a great job for you. Uh, I know that you mentioned briefly as far as talking to uh, churches and things like that. I know that um, besides just speaking of internet crimes, uh, you've had a lot of uh, people requesting uh, active shooter education uh, I know that you speak to the elderly on a regular basis in reference to fraud, uh, as susceptible they are of trusting people and receiving information that they believe is true and reaching out to them to know what to look for and what not to trust and how not to lose their finances and their information as such. Uh, so uh, what are some of the, the, I guess, programs or things that, that you do? So, yes, uh, we do, we want organizations, whether it's a business, a church, a school, um, 
we want you to reach out to us. We want you all to know that we offer programs, and you mentioned fraud to elderly from all the um, sales calls that they receive, the, the IRS calls, all the different fraud from bank account fraud to credit card fraud to uh, the things that we can communicate to our elderly popula population who are susceptible to, to doing this. And uh, we, it is, it's important to me that we're out there communicating that. So that's a program we offer, offer all the time out there. We, we offer uh, programs to our, our school kids, young adults, um, all the way to children regarding the dangers of social media, the things, uh, not only technology type investigations and crimes that we see, but how important uh, those offenses will affect our, our young people's futures if they find themselves in a position to to share a um, a picture that is uncomfortable with somebody else, but so uh, we teach that type of stuff to our young people. We're out there doing active shooter presentations, uh, civilian response to active shooters. So we want our businesses and churches and and schools to have an idea of of what to do in case they they find themselves in an active shooter event or incident. Um, you know, with all the things that we go out and talk about, and, and please, we want to pass on the message that if there's anything that we can do as a law enforcement agency outside of a, several of the normal presentations we do, let us know so that we can build a course and, and train folks so that they're comfortable in, in whatever that they're worried about. Um, so for people to get in touch with your department, you offer many things, a vacation watch, extra patrol, and uh, they can reach out as far as uh, receiving these. So how would they get in touch with you to do these things? So uh, they can go to our website, um, look us up online at uh, mcco3.org. They can reach us through Facebook, through the Montgomery County Constable's Office, Precinct 3, or Constable Ryan Gable on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, things like that, and uh, they can stop by our office at 1520 Lakefront Circle and see us in the woodlands. We'd love to meet with them. Uh, I know that uh, we're finishing up here, I believe, but uh, I'd like to add the, the relationships that we have with our local law enforcement. Our sheriff's office, um, we, we all work very well together, and I just want to applaud that uh, our local law enforcement agencies specifically in Southern Montgomery County and the relationships we have have just been great. And so thank you to them as well. Well, in wrapping up, and I want to leave it sort of with a uh, cornerstone, something very important to you. So uh, some advice for parents or kids in reference to social media and uh, protecting uh, themselves. So I, I think uh, just off the top of my head, specific to parents, uh, you want to audit your friends' kids' list through their social media. You want to be a part of it. You want to be friends with your kids on social media so that you can see what they're doing. And, and you also need to have an understanding that uh, if there's a number of friends through their social sites, I would uh, just bet 100% that there's a predator watching them in some manner. Um, so in the event that they're uncomfortable with any situation, whether it be the internet or a social site, to reach out to law enforcement, let us know about it, and let us take a look. Okay. Well, Constable, I appreciate you coming in, and I appreciate all the information you have. Uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you so much.